KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Artificial intelligence is getting more and more human like. The latest AI technology in the news is ChatGPT, a bot made by OpenAI that can have a text conversation or write something you ask it to in a very accurate and conversational way. This is the closest thing I've seen to like the Star Trek computer where you say what you want and it responds instantly. You can ask it to write a poem or a play or a song. It really can kind of comprehend almost any request. That's Harry McCracken, the global technology editor for Fast Company, talking with ABC News. Now, ChatGPT is still in a research phase. OpenAI put out a sign-up list for people who wanted to try it out. And now that they have, some folks have concerns about how it could be used, especially by students. Kids could use this to grade something which a teacher could probably not identify as not having been written by a human. Is this really all bad? What are the potential benefits of technology like this? Today on KYW News Radio In Depth, we turn to Dr. Jake Williams, Associate Professor of Information Science at Drexel University, to answer those questions and help us get a better understanding of what ChatGPT is and how it works. So to start, to kind of set the table for people, what is ChatGPT? What are we dealing with here? ChatGPT is a few pieces of artificial intelligence at its core that have been brought together. One of the probably most noticeable is its ability to talk. In other words, a language model. Um, It's capable of predicting what you hope maybe a person might say back to you if you ask them a question, which can be startling when you start to approach it with some challenging questions perhaps, and ones that you don't expect it to necessarily have information to provide anything about. So it seems to me, just some stuff that I've read, there are people that are freaked out by this, and I've seen specifically people saying that once this is widely available, no one will write papers anymore. They'll just engage with this. How realistic is that? What we're talking about is the ability of, of using a language model, a type of AI, which is a tool to augment a human's capability for writing. This view that it's the end of education and writing, um, I think the foil to that is um, learning how to both teach and write again using this new type of writing and communication technology, if we want to view it that way. Not strictly as a mechanism to cheat, but as a mechanism to do what humans do better, I guess. Um, What that looks like remains to be seen, since this is really at the stage of them demonstrating how well it can work if you do this human interaction and conversational component, right? And now it's up to not just potential users, us to get excited about the possibilities of what it could do or scared of the possibilities of what it could do, but developers to uh, get ideas for how to use it that are hopefully constructive and not just causing more uh, confusion and problems. To that point, what would you say is the best case scenario, like the most positive ways that chat GPT or, you know, I'm sure what's to come building off of it can really help society? I think what we, what we need to do is discuss two things in terms of beneficial 
capacities of these technologies in society. One is to eliminate the hype at what these AIs are doing. There have been a number of AI winters throughout the, the history of the field's development, meaning that um, there's been public buy-in to the function of and potential of that science. And at times, the collapse of that public buy-in when they don't see, when society doesn't see the impacts that have been promised through the uh, science fiction-like hype that can tend to happen. We're not colonies on Mars yet, so to speak. And we've even seen other technology fields have this kind of boom and, boom and bust behavior. So the first thing that I want to do is just normalize what these machines are doing. I think that that's necessary for beneficial integration with society because there's lots of philosophical hype about general AI. And as a theorist who studies the underlying algorithms of these models, um, I can tell you that there's no magic. There's no, these are statistical models that are as familiar as other statistical models like boring lines and normal distributions. They're just tangled up and difficult to understand. And that's an easy place to store belief that these are becoming something more like a um, AI singularity or something like that. It's, it's not where we are. So pushing that sort of like philosophical misconception aside, um, what can they do? How can they help people? Um, those are valuable questions and they will, um, they can be useful, but they have to be deployed correctly. Uh, Noam Chomsky was interviewed on a machine learning podcast talking about the use of these kinds of AI for voice transcription um, because he's hard of hearing and needs them in a, in a sense to be able to interact um, efficiently. Uh, linguist who's very different views on intelligence, AI, language, huge benefit to his uh, professional capability at this point. But, uh, you know, is it a beautiful thing? It's a bulldozer. Does it mean that <laughs> there's nothing that, that really has understanding inside of it about the phenomenon that it's really replicating? It's an intensive statistical method that learns in a very arbitrary way, um, but is still entirely well understood. I mean, AI has been something that's been developed on multiple fronts and talked about, and it, it seems that this kind of struck a nerve, but talking to you, it seems like it's not anything out of the realm of what we expected. Is there? Is it just the right hype people? Like, what? what is it about this that seems to have caught people's attention? Well, I think there are real concerns because it is, an, that, that's the point, is that in, in the way that voice transcription has impacted people's lives, this is a technology whose um, ability to work effectively has reached a point where people will really be able to make use of it. And whether that's for writing term papers or something else, it's going to change the way social systems that use writing, operate. And that's a really broad class of social systems. So I think people are right to be to say, hey, we got to pay attention to this. And when you see something talking back to you and it says something that's really reasonable, it's pretty surprising. You know, I, I didn't make it in time to sign up for the account, but one of my, my students who we talked about this stuff in my lab quite a bit, um, signed up before the sign up shut down because they got too much volume. 
I got to ask it basically some questions that I have as a researcher about its own construction and uh, whether research that I know is possible, whether it thinks it's possible, <laughs> you know? So, so it's semi like existential questions for the AI and it had a pretty rational response saying, yeah, I, I haven't heard of anything like that, but this is why it would be important for someone who was trying to design something like me. And that was an automated response. And I think that gives people the idea that it's doing something incredibly alive. So I think it's it stokes that hype itself just because it's interactive, like a person that we see on the internet, but never actually see. They're helpful tools. And that's that's the question is how can they be helpful and non-disruptive in a good way if we wanted to think about impacts to society. Um, but there's lots of things that we don't even know that they're going to be um, able to do, like uh, you see folks wanting to bring research on these conversational AIs into therapeutic chat circumstances, but you can also imagine them as intel gatherers if uh, you want to deploy one with a customer base to figure out what they're really interested in buying. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Jake Williams of Drexel University right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. You got to understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavitt story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Jake Williams. What keeps you up at night about stuff like this? We talked about the positive. How could something like this go off the rails? And I, I don't mean that tongue-in-cheek like Terminator or anything like that. But what, what concerns you about how this could be utilized by bad actors or maybe even people that don't quite understand what they're dealing with? Number one... Um... The learning process is that train the current generation of high performance AIs, in my view, are highly inefficient. Um, it's a bad way that we've set up the training um, paradigms for artificial intelligence. Um, it's not a very green technology and we can do much better. But I'm also a researcher who focuses on the data and the nature of the information in the data itself. There's a tremendous amount of research that goes on in the applied language processing space that's focused on disinformation. And one of the most challenging aspects of the information environment is the improvement of conversational AIs. When you can create a chatbot, orient it with some kind of an agenda, deploy it on social media so that it can get past whatever automatic filters exist, you're able to really scale up a voice. And that's not something that people necessarily perceive when they're on the ground level on social media or in other places, information environment on the web. So that's you know another thing that could keep us up at night if we wanted to scare up what chat, chat GPT is doing, but there's, there's nothing you know, inherently oriented towards that. And it's up to the licensing and the developers to 
create the right release structure so that doesn't become so much of a problem. There's a few other things that I could list out here in terms sure. of the training processes if we wanted to talk about uh, dangers of big AI. Um, and that's what data is used for training. Um, we think of bias perhaps as something that one is trying to intentionally set with prediction, but the strange aspect of AI is that their bias is really in the training data in a large way. And these machines, they are trained on huge amounts of data that's just sort of scooped from the World Wide Web. Um, there have been improvements to the quality of that data, whether it be not replicating arbitrary things to an unreasonable amount. Uh, you know, in other words, not taking the same document too many times to train on, um, but also balancing the training content so that it's avoiding really rhetorical discourse or insulting language, things like that. Getting the right language into the model is a kind of concern. But the types of bias that exist from this kind of large data collection and, and learning process is very difficult difficult to control and generally not studied at the level of the data. It's studied post-training, which means that there's a big question mark, I think, that we could ask about. That is, um, at what point will regulation and how will it interact with these sorts of tools? What data go into AIs that are approved for certain applications, whether it's your therapy chatbot um, or whether it's in your general purpose chat GPT that helps talk you through uh, a phone call, you know, that you make to sort out your insurance. Um, all of those are potential applications that we could imagine for a conversational interaction. We talked earlier about one of the things I've seen is people concerned that this could be utilized and no one would write a term paper anymore. If you and I had access to this and we both tried to get a paper out of it, say, on the same subject at different times, would we get the same paper? I think I have heard that the responses are ultimately personalized, so it develops a rapport with you. So after a couple of questions, your responses like your Google web search are going to become your own. Um, you're training the AI too, a little bit just for you. And then there's just also the guidance aspect of it. When you're asking this conversational AI questions, you're only going to get the exact same term paper if you ask the exact same questions and it's not personalized. So just setting your own course, me and you, I think we wind up with a different term paper. I still think it would be detectable. And uh, I think that with, you know, writing automation tools are going to come about um, a whole in cottage industry of uh, automation detection tools that you can use to determine uh, what kind of chatbot wrote your students' term papers so you can, you know, take the right amount of points off or something. But I think that's that's getting a couple steps ahead. So you mentioned that there, there was only access to this for a limited amount of time, and then they they closed it off. How close do you think we are to just being able to utilize it, you know, at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday whenever we want for for whatever we want? So this was just the other day when I tried to sign up for an account again, and it looks like it's letting me create accounts. So, I, you know, I don't think that it's beyond just the demonstration phase yet. Um, but 
them shutting down accounts was just a, a minute, I think, while they were adjusting to the increase in demand. And the, the developers of this product are, are seasoned veterans in this open software release thing. And I think that it will be available very soon. It's based on a language model, GPT-3, that they released some months ago. So it's the underlying underlying technologies were already there. And this is really about how they put them together into a usable interface. And that's the, the part that I want to repeat is that um, they didn't really do that much that was new in terms of language learning, the way that these algorithms learn. Um, what they're doing really well, I think, is demonstrating impact is when you develop the right interface to direct your query. So if you want to have a conversational interaction, it really just needs to have a good way of figuring out what you're looking for. So figuring out how to integrate that with the ability to talk is what, for example, I as a researcher would want to see the most to pull the thing apart and to understand how it works that way. How excited are you as a researcher, as someone waist deep in this, just about not just this, but what the future holds? Um, I'm excited because um, one of the funny things, I described it as a bulldozer. One of the exciting things for, for me as an academic researcher is that uh, these are systems that I like to study and reverse engineer. So mm -hmm. just on a base level of excitement for me, um, when they bulldoze their way into a system which does better, it tells me that there is a meaningful insight to draw from the way they constructed their system. Something that's fundamental about language that I can learn statistically. So as a researcher, it just means that the science of language, uh, whether industry intends to advance it or not, is advancing tremendously. And in the wake of these engineered products are a lot of scientific learning opportunities. Um, imagine it like um, Google takes all of these pictures of the earth and you get, you know, Google Maps and that's a great product. Google makes lots of money off of that sort of a thing. But think of the amount of geographical information that was provided to someone who just wanted to study geography by virtue of that survey being done and made available. Getting to see what works tells us a lot about why it works. So I see a lot of opportunity and that excites me because we see such tremendous function out of this system specifically. I want to you know, pull the thing apart and understand why it works the way that it does. And I think that is what will be more exciting in the long term. For now, what's exciting um, might be specific applications to people like uh, whether they're thinking about how to automate processes inside of a company or whether they're thinking about how to get out of writing a term paper, I don't know. But <laughs> they are all certainly exciting applications that, you know, will be weird the first time you use uh, one of those conversational interfaces instead of the call, you know, usual transcript-based interface where choose from items one through five, you know, just say whatever you want. The thing will kind of know what to say back to you. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.